Joining us now here on The Rita Cosby Show is the great investigative journalist with Just the News, John Solomon. Um, John, first off, um, you have a great piece, and I want to get to it, um, that's coming out, I think, or just came out literally that you're sharing with us, which I'm so glad you are because it's so important. You guys have been leading the way, John, I think, so much on the coverage of this Supreme Court nominee by Biden. And first, let's talk about the child porn background and, and her history with sentencing child pornographers, which is a very serious crime. Yeah, no, it is. And as you, as you pointed out rightly, it's a crime that often has recidivism to it, right? Child predators often are repeat offenders. And so uh, I think you saw the senators take her on today, and her uh, you know, her defenses were interesting. She'd say, well, I don't, trial, being a child pornographer isn't necessarily being a pedophile. I think a lot of people disagree with that assessment. She was trying to split hairs on a definition, but I don't think people see much difference in, in either case, because you're preying on young children sexually. Did, she, did she say that today, that that it's a tra- that sort of splitting hairs between child pornographers and pedophiles? Yeah, did she didn't try use to... the word splitting hairs, but she did say that she saw, that she saw a difference between a pedophile. Someone who's a child pornographer isn't necessarily a, a pedophile. That's what she said. Yeah, they're, today, just, so. they're just thinking about it, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, how's that make it any better, you know? Well, in some cases, many pornographers are doing more than, than thinking about it. They're actually filming it and doing horrible things. And so the exploitation of children is a, is a continuous cycle. And I think uh, it was hard for some people to see the distinction she was trying to make. We know also that beyond the sentencing that she did, she, she wrote an anonymous column that she's now disclosed, disclosed to the Senate Judiciary Committee. This is something we wrote about about a month ago. Uh, that uh, argued that sometimes these sentences for child pornographers and child sex predators were too harsh. And I think a lot of people don't believe that. They actually believe that the minimum standards are there for a reason because the crime is so heinous. So you see somebody sympathetic there. Then you take a look at the terrorism argument she made, and you did a great job enumerating her position. Her argument was that uh, a terrorist who launched an attack on Americans, and in one case she was representing a guy that carried out an attack on a forward operating base, a U.S. forward operating base in Iraq, that they didn't deserve to be treated as enemy combatants under the law. That's a pretty remarkable thing. Someone attacks a military base in Iraq, we would normally consider them an enemy combatant. Certainly under the rules of war, we've always considered that. She argued against that. So she's somebody who not only had sympathy uh, for the terrorists, she was trying to argue against the common sense notion that someone who launches an attack against the United States military base shouldn't be considered uh, an enemy combatant. And I think a lot of people disagree with that. And and by the and by the way, John, too, um, it, this was sort of like an Al Qaeda bomb expert. Oh, yeah. um, there was one also who was a Taliban intelligence officer because it was yeah. multiple ones. So it's it's like uh, I'm sorry, like just like you said, um, you know, somebody who's an Al Qaeda bomb expert, a Taliban intelligence officer. And apparently she represented a lot of these cases, obviously, as a federal public defender from 05 to 07. You have she had to because she was assigned the case. But then she goes into private practice and she writes an amicus brief, like a friend of the court brief, like a friend of the terrorist brief, I guess you should call it. Right. (laughs) Right. And, And says, oh, this is this guy is such a wonderful person, basically. And. You know, and he's not such a bad guy like you just said. He's not, you know, he's not an enemy combatant. He's, yeah. he, you know, he, he's a wonderful guy who loves, you know, small animals and children and, and ice cream, you know? I mean, are you yeah. kidding me? You just have to no, no, ignore the fact that he tried to launch an attack and kill American soldiers. That's what you have to do to buy that argument. And I think, you know, people are seeing a disconnect 
between this judge's views, which, by the way, are representative, a representative of a lot of elitists who come out of Harvard, out of these law schools that are now in the halls of power in New York and Washington particularly, and how everyday common sense Americans really view the world. And, and you know, the story we have tomorrow morning, I think, advances that notion a, a little bit more. In a speech that she gave in 2015, uh, uh, Judge Jackson argued that uh, critical race theory needed to be among the uh, considerations that a, per, uh, a judge makes when he, when he or she is sentencing someone. Now, think about that for a second. That is a theory that a lot of Americans reject. Many parents went to school boards over the last two years to reject, uh, reject this notion. Glenn Yankin was uh, uh, elected a governor of Virginia for opposing this notion that someone's skin color will predetermine whether they are either oppressed or oppressors. A lot of Americans reject that idea. This is a judge that believes judges should consider this as part of their sentencing guidelines when they're considering the sentencing of a person. Really remarkable speech that's been given out there. And she boasted how much she liked critical race theory, the founder of the critical race theory. His book was on their table in his parents' house. This is somebody that has embraced the far-left notions for a very long time, is very comfortable bragging about them, and doesn't believe that this affects, as she said today, I don't believe what I've said about critical race theory will affect my role as a judge. Well, you told a whole bunch of law students that they sh it should affect their judgment. Uh, there were some contradictions in how she answered today, and I think a lot of head-scratching for senators who represent middle America. Yeah, and it was interesting because I, I saw the exchange, I think it was what Ted Cruz was even talking yeah. a little bit about it with her, Senator Ted Cruz. And she at first kind of said, I'm not really sure what you mean by critical race theory. It was almost like, uh, yeah, you do. Here's your speech. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. it's like, no, I don't have a house. Well, let me give you the keys to your house because you do have a house. Um, so she almost like, kind of danced around it. How do you think that this impacts crime and also, um, you know, at a time right now, John Solomon, where people are so concerned about crime across the country, rising crime in, you know, almost every major city across America sure. right now. And we've got soft on crime DAs left and right. You know, I talked about Los Angeles, Philly, San Fran. Um, the list kind of goes on and on. New York. Um, how do how is she maybe not the right person for the moment um, to be there on the high court? Because she's young. And if she goes through, and it looks like she probably will, um, you know, this is a lifetime appointment. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, the Democrats do think she's the right person. They couldn't have spoken more glowingly for her today. What you see the Republicans doing in this hearings, the Republicans are unlikely to be able to block this nomination. She's most likely going to get approved despite the, uh, the exploitation now of these very liberal, uh, out-of-mainstream America viewpoints that have now been drawn out. What the uh, Republicans are doing is setting the argument for the November election, and the, uh, not only in 2022, but also in 2024. Joe Biden gave us soft on crime Democrats. He gave us prosecutors. He, he gave us people who believe that no bail is the right way to deal with uh, violent felons. Let them go right back out and commit more crimes. He believed in opening up the border and allowing those criminals to come into your community. And he even believed in putting someone on the high Supreme Court that believes all these philosophies. They're setting up the ultimate political attack ad, the Willie Horton attack ad of uh, 1988, updated for the 21st century. Uh, this is going to be one of the predominant uh, arguments that Republicans make why they should be in power. Two things. Democrats don't believe that parents should be in control of their children's education and that race should be the predominant of your child's future. And two, that uh, being soft on criminals, terrorists, 
child sex predators is the democratic way, and that is not the way most Americans want their cities to be run. So I think that Republicans were playing the long game today. When, when Ted Cruz pulled out that chart, that's a chart that's going to come back to uh, remind everybody in the elections in November uh, in a few months. Yeah, I agree with you uh, very, very much. I think so, too. Um, and in fact, uh, after the break, we're going to play a little bit of a contrast of how the Dems treated Brett Kavanaugh. What a contrast that was. Um, John Solomon, thank you very much. And again, everybody, make sure you check out John's column uh, tomorrow that he just reported. Actually, just put it out now um, on critical race theory and how Jackson argued it. Thank you so much. Great job on all this stuff, John. Thank you. Love your show. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.